Thank you for tuning in to Valley Rise Church. We're so glad you decided to join us today. For more information on sermon series and service times, you can visit us online at valleyrisechurch.com. Thanks again for joining us. We hope you enjoy today's message. Hey, harvest is here. Fall is here. The weather, I think, is changing. I've been in, I got in at 2 o'clock this morning. I was doing a wedding in Atlanta last night and caught the red eye back. When I left Atlanta, it was, like, it was like 60 degrees there. I was like, this is amazing. And I stepped off into the, the little tunnel, whatever, NIH, and it was, I, I thought I'd taken the direct flight to hell. Like it was, it went from like 60 degrees to like a, a, a brisk 85, a strong 85. And I walked out like, God, man, welcome home. But fall is here. I love fall because fall for me is the harvest. It's, it, it reminds you of all of the, I remember being a kid and they always had this thing we'd set up in our classroom. It was like, is, is it called a cornucopia? Am I saying, is that wrong? Right? Yes. A bountiful cornucopia of many blessings. That's what, I don't, I don't know. I made that up. That's not what we call it. But, and, and we would like put stuff in there and I loved it. It was just a cool time of the year. My birthday's in October. Going to be 22. Super excited about that. Why is that funny? It hurts me when you laugh like that. I mean, um, I love October. It's my season. But I believe that October is more than just a season to celebrate me all month long. I think that it's a season that God wants to do something amazing, not only in Valley Rise, but in our lives as well. So today, as we begin talking about the harvest, hey, Luke 10, 2, Luke 10, 2, if I look tired, don't judge me, okay? I was trying to get some people married. They needed me. I was like, y'all married. I got to get back to my real peoples. Luke 10, 2. He released them with these instructions. Now, this is Jesus talking. He released them with these instructions. The harvest is huge and ripe, but there are not enough harvesters to bring it all in. As you go, plead with the owner of the harvest to drive out into his harvest fields many more workers. As you go, plead with the harvester that he would drive out many more workers into the harvest fields. Jesus is sending out his disciples right before he's going back to heaven, and he sends them out with these instructions. Hey, go out there and reach people. And he says, listen, reach people because people are ready to be reached. The harvest is great. Now, he's obviously not talking about an actual harvest. He's not talking about going into the fields and harvesting the grain. And, but I believe that it's very symbolic. Because there is a moment, if you're a farmer, that when you go out and the field is right, that harvest has to happen then. If you don't harvest, the crop goes to waste. If you wait too long, the grain gets bad. If you harvest it the wrong way, you can't use the grain. I've spent this whole week studying farming. You would be surprised. It's pretty impressive. There's some cool stuff in there. And um, it is very important when the harvest comes in. When the harvest comes in. So you're saying, Christian, what what does that have to do with us? It's a great question. I'm glad you asked. If it was important to God, how many know it should be important to us? What is important to God? This is important to God. Have you ever prayed and said, maybe, maybe, maybe you've said like me, God, what do you want? Like sometimes I feel like I go to God a lot with my stuff. Like, God, please, you know, we need this, or God, we need this, or heal this person, or touch this person. Or... And I've stopped at times and said, God, I don't know I ask for a lot. You ever have those open conversations with God? Am I the only person that has those weird conversations? God, I don't know I ask for a lot. But like, what do you want, God? What do you want? And God actually tells us what he wants in Scripture. He tells us what he wants in Scripture. The Father comes, Jesus is telling a story about the heart of the Father, and Jesus is trying to explain to people what is important to the Father's heart. 
And he tells the story, the parable of the 99 sheep. You know the parable of the 99 sheep. A shepherd has 100 sheep. One goes missing. He leaves the 99 to go out and find the one. What is he talking about? He's not talking about real sheep. He's talking about lost people. And he says, listen, one lost person that's yet to understand who I am and yet to come into the body of Christ and yet to experience all the blessings around being in the body of Christ means more to me than the 99 I have that do know that and do experience it. I think it's interesting that Jesus gave a number when he did this. Why didn't Jesus just say there was a guy and he had a bunch of sheep and then one of the sheep went missing and so he went after that sheep? you got to think Jesus is very strategic. He was pretty smart and he also knew that anything he said we would be talking about now. So if he gave a number, then it means something. Do you know why Jesus numbered the sheep in that story? Because you only count what matters. You only count what matters. When people ask me if I have children, I go, yes. And they say, how many? I don't go somewhere between two and five. I don't know. Could be on any given day, depending on what they're into or where they've run off to. Maybe it's two, maybe it's three. I don't know. No, I say three. I have three children. Why? Because they matter, so I count them. I'm sure each and every one of you know how much money you have in your bank account right now. Why? Because it matters, and so you count it. You only number what matters. And Jesus says, listen, there's 99, and this one, it's not just a random sheep, this one sheep goes missing, and it means more than the 99 who have already encountered the love of Jesus. So if Jesus felt that way, and he's telling you that what's on the Father's mind This is what he's saying. What's on the Father's mind is those that have yet to come. It's those that aren't here yet. It's the child that's far from God. It's the sibling you have that's far from God. It's the spouse you've been praying for. What is on God's mind is those that are yet to come. And I think I've told you this story before. We lost Finley one time, two times. (laughs) It's more than that, but I don't want to be negligent, so let's just call it two. And, and Finley went missing, and in the midst of Finley missing, when a child goes missing, you know, you just, everybody goes into panic mode. Everybody, where are they, and where you just start? Isn't it funny how that switch flips for parents, and you just go from, like, everything's fine, and you're like, where is, where is, where is, where are they? And you just start asking everyone, have you seen a child? Any child? What am I looking for? Just, we'll take anyone, it doesn't matter. If it's better than the one we currently have, we'll switch. It doesn't, whatever you got. Have you seen my child? You start looking. Have you seen my child? Have you seen my child? Have you seen my child? I'll tell you, in those moments when Eli comes up to me and goes, Dad, can we go play video games? I'm not concerned at all about Eli's video games. When he goes, Dad, I'm really hungry. I'm like, well, you're going to eat when you die because we're finding your sister first before we go to Chick-fil-A. Okay. Why? Because that's what's on my mind, and that's what I want, and that's my desire, and that's what matters to me. And anything else at the moment seems trivial. So what Jesus is saying is, listen, it's great that we're asking from God, and God has more than enough to meet all of our needs. However, if you want to know what's on God's heart, what's on his mind is those that have yet to come. Hey, think of this. It's your coworkers. It's your family members. It's your friends. Those that have yet to come, that is what God is thinking about. And if God is thinking about it, then we need to be thinking about it, which means we have a responsibility to do something if it's important to God. As a Christian, you can't say, it's important to God, but I don't really care about it. Try that in your marriage and see how that works. It's important to my wife that I pick up my socks, but like, I don't really care about that. It's important to, it's important to my wife that I don't drink out of the orange juice jug. But I mean, come on, does anyone really not do that? I mean, I don't know. 
Oh, you guys don't do that? <laughs> Me neither, okay. But <laughs> Eli does. My son does for sure, so don't drink out of the orange juice in my house. Um, if it's important to her, it becomes important to me, and therefore I have a responsibility to do something about it. It's important to her that the house stays clean, so I have a responsibility to help take care of the house. It's important to God that we reach the lost, so then we have a responsibility to go, God, if you're saying the harvest is ripe, there are so many people out there that are willing and waiting for someone to come present the gospel to them, then Jesus, I want that to be on my heart. Listen to me, there are people you interact with every day that are hurting, that are broken, that are waiting for someone to walk in and go, hey, can I pray for you today? You just seem down. I'm telling you, if you will take one step, Jesus will take a hundred steps. There are people that I've had more conversations with people that moments just like that, where I just go, hey, are you good? I've been praying for you in my heart. And they go, I went to bed last night crying and said, God, if you're real, let someone just check on me tomorrow. I didn't, do, I didn't lead them down the Romans road to salvation. I didn't read the Bible to them. I, didn't, I just did what Jesus expects us to do, which is love people and be nice to people and be kind to people and check on the hurting and help the broken. Jesus calls us to reach the harvest. Each of us are called to an area. We're called to a field. You have a field. You are a spiritual farmer. Okay? You go, Christian, what is my field? Your field is... Your realm of influence. Where do you have influence? If you want to know what your field looks like, look at where your influence is. Okay? So maybe it's your work. Maybe it's your family. Maybe it's friendships. Maybe it's, but if God has given you influence in an area, it's because he expects you to use it to push people closer to him. If you want to know where God has called you to reach the harvest, it starts with where I have influence. Say after me, I have a field. I have a field. Okay, what that means is you have a responsibility to who's in your field. Guess what? If I have a field and I'm a farmer and my harvest goes bad, you know who that's on? It's on me. It's not on the farmer next door. I'm not like, why didn't you harvest my grain for me? God, you saw I was busy. It was October. It was my birthday. No, that's on me. Which means I will stand before God one day for interactions I've had, relationships I've had, influence that I've had, that I never used to push people closer to Jesus. Let me ask you this. How many of you, when you started a life-giving relationship with Jesus, your life got better? How many of you life got better? If not, we should all go find a different church. So, <laughs> your life got better. Which means you have something that the people around you could use to better their lives. If you saw a great movie, I promise you would tell everyone. If you ate at a great restaurant, you'd go, this restaurant's the best restaurant in the world. Oh, you got to go try this restaurant. You got to try it. Then if Jesus has done something in your life that, is, that has changed you, encouraged you, brought life to you, brought hope to you, brought joy to you, impacted your family, then we have a responsibility to go to people and go, hey, I know you might be having a bad week, but it's okay. I got the fix. Hey, let me pray for you. Let me encourage you. You might be down and out, but it means that's an opportunity that Jesus wants to reach you. What does your field look like? It's our job, Mark 16. It's our job to plow our field. Jesus says, as he said to them, as you go into all the world, 
Preach openly the wonderful news of the gospel to the entire human race. Stop right here because this is massive. Let me just fix something in everyone's theology because I'm sure we all grew up with a grandmother or a grandparent or parents that like you had a, everybody had a Bible thumping grandparent or parent. You know, you don't do what the Lord says. He'll smite you down right now. You might lay down to sleep, never wake up. You're like, Jesus, this is intense. Jesus don't like ugly. And if you're ugly, Jesus don't like you. <laughs> There's a reason that people get pushed away from the gospel, and it's because we leave out this part. Preach openly the wonderful news of the gospel to the entire human race. Do you know why it's called the good news or the wonderful news? Because it is good news. And if we can present it like it was actually intended to be presented, people will love it. I guarantee you there's no one in your office that you go up to and go, do you want to be happier? They're like, no. Do you want more joy? No. You want more peace in your life? Never. Like no, anyone you walked up to and said that to would go, yes, 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 I need all of it. Hey, then you have the solution. Then you have the solution. God has put them in your path so that you can harvest them. Let me tell you, there is, I hope all of you have the joy and the experience of leading someone to salvation one day. Because there is not a moment more amazing and impactful on your personal Christianity than when you walk someone else through the journey that you're walking through. Then when you have a moment where you realize you've impacted their entire legacy. Their children will be different. Their grandchildren will be different. Their marriage will be different. Because of an interaction that you had with them. Matthew 5, 14. Here's another way to put it. You're here to be light, bringing out the God colors in the world. God is not a secret to be kept. We're going public with this, as public as a city on a hill. If I make you light bearers, you don't think I'm going to hide you under a bucket, do you? I'm putting you on a light stand. Now that I've put you there on a hilltop, on a light stand, shine. Keep open house. Be generous with your lives. Be opening up to others. You'll prompt people to open up with God, this generous Father in heaven. What is he saying? He goes, listen, the way that you reach your field, the way you reach your harvest is not by doing anything crazy. You don't have to be a preacher. I see some of you are like, listen, I'm not a preacher. I don't even know the first thing. I'm a, I'm, do you want to go to hell? No, then I think you should get saved. I don't know. That's all I got. You don't have to be a preacher. You just have to live the life that Jesus called you to live. And as you live it, the joy inside of you, people see. The change inside of you, people see. And when people go, hey, guys, something's different about you. Listen to me. If you're trying to reach your friends or family, when they say, is something, something seems different with you, that's like, like a field goal from the five-yard line, okay? That's like only Alabama's kicker could miss that field goal. Like, it is just, you, you are perfect. You can't mess that up. Something is different in my life. You want to know what it is? God's doing something in me. Boom. God, tell me about that. Hey, you want to know what's different in my life? Man, I just got more peace in my life than ever. Wow, how do you get that peace? I'm glad you asked. It's literally like all you have to do is just live the life that Jesus called you to live, and people see it because it's different. How many of you know we live in a hurting and broken world, and what is normal to you when you have peace in your life and joy in your life and hope in your life and encouragement and friends that lift you up, that is not normal to the hurting and broken world. Many of you were raised in an environment 
where you were not, the, the peace of God and joy and hope was not the prevalent theme of maybe your household. You know what it's like to live without that. And when you found it, it was the greatest thing you ever experienced. Then Jesus calls us to now go and let other people know, hey, no matter what you're going through, no matter what you're in, no matter how bad it seems, no matter how dark, no matter how low, I have the solution to the problem. Yes, that's a great time to clap. Oftentimes, we see Christianity falter and the harvest go to waste because we don't understand the responsibility is ours. The responsibility is ours. It's ours to care for the hurting and the broken. It's ours to care for the widows and the orphans. It's ours to care for those who can't care for themselves. It's ours to care for the downtrodden and those that are unprivileged. It is our responsibility. Listen to me. The government is great, and they can do some great programs, but they can change no one's spirit from the inside out. And when we put the responsibility that was meant to be on the church, on the government, we will fail every single time. It was never the responsibility of the government to take care of the widows and the orphans. Jesus said pure undefiled religion is this, care for the widows and the orphans. That's on us. It's not the government's responsibility to bring joy into a falling apart marriage. That's on the church. It's not the government's responsibility to bring hope into underprivileged areas. Remind them that they have a calling and a purpose on their life. Remind them that there's a plan for them. Remind them that they're there for a reason and they're not a mistake. That is on us. And when we realize that it is our responsibility to reach our harvest, then God begins to use us. Then we begin to see fruition come to what we put our hands to because now we have a goal. And the goal is not just go to work every day and do my nine to five and maybe get a raise and do really good and retire after 20 years. The goal is reach everyone that's in your field. Reach the people you have influence with. Jesus has given you influence in your area for your time for a reason. Now you get to go back and listen to me. If you don't look at it that way, you will always abuse it. If you don't call it what it is, is you will always mislabel it. And you know the Spider-Man with great power comes great responsibility. Okay, I always like to say with great blessing comes great responsibility. Because I've been blessed so much, because God has done so much in my life, because I have peace overwhelming, because I have joy more than I can imagine, then I have a great responsibility to help other people figure that out. Wouldn't you be mad if you had a best friend that had a million dollars in your whole life, they just never told you about it? And one day you found out, and they were like, oh, yeah, I won the lotto, like, a long time ago. Like, a long time ago? Like, how long? Like, 24 hours? Like, how long? Years. You've been having the solution to a lot of my issues for years and decided just not to tell me. Yeah, well, you know, I don't want to be, I don't want to, I don't want to be that person, you know, just all this money, I don't want to. I just want to tell people how awesome my life is. No, you'd be like, well, I needed you to tell me that because I could have got some of that awesomeness in my life as well. <laughs> people around you are waiting for you to tell them about the awesomeness that Jesus is doing on the inside of you. I know it doesn't seem like it. I know they seem closed off. I know they say they're not into religion. I know they say we don't go to I know and I've met all of them. But there is something about when you look at someone and go, hey, how are you doing? Is there anything I can be praying for you for? 
And I've seen it with atheists, and I've seen it with the most religious people in the world, that something inside of them breaks, and they go, I just want someone who's going to encourage me. I just want somebody who's going to love me. I just want someone who's going to care for me. I just want someone who's going to cheer me on. I just want... Because it doesn't matter who you are, we're all people and we all have the same basic needs. And every single one of us, until we come to the conclusion that we were created by Jesus for a reason to be used by him, we'll always walk around with a part of us missing. So when you go into work and you go, I don't know, the people I work with don't have any problems. Yes, they do. Okay, they're looking for a solution to a problem on the inside. And all of us have had the same problem and the solution is the same for all of us. The solution is Jesus. Manuel, as I close, you can come up. I love, I was probably 15, 16, um, <laughs> and I was at a, at a youth conference, and a guy was preaching, and he said this. He said, make it hard on Jesus and easy on yourself. He was telling us, go into your schools and tell your friends about Jesus. And I'm like, that's easy for you to say. You're like 32 with kids. Like, I'm 14 and got a reputation, Okay. I mean, there's only one 6'4 Mexican at the school. i got to preserve my reputation. That was funnier than what you guys laughed at, I'm going to be honest. I guess i got to start rotating that one. Um, (laughs) I don't even know what I was saying. (laughs) Listen, I got in at 2 o'clock this morning, slept for four hours, came here to sit up. But we're going to figure it out together. Yes, make it hard on Jesus. Thank you. i got one friend in here. Make it hard on Jesus (laughs) and easy on yourself. Hard on Jesus and easy on yourself. And so I took him up on that. I said, deal, deal, God. I will make it so hard on you that it's just impossible. And I started making deals with God. Now, some of you heard the story of Damon, and if you haven't, I'll have to tell it another time. But the, I, I walked out, and there was a kid who was, this, this, he was the worst kid in school. And my prayer was this, God, God had been telling me, you need to go talk to him. I'm like, I'm not going to talk to him. He's going to kill me if I talk to him. Like he's, he was like, he had a bad reputation. And um, so my deal with God was, okay, God, I'm going to go out to recess. If he's sitting at this picnic table by himself, this corner of the yard, then I'll go sit down and talk with him. I'll know that means you want me to go talk to him. And of course, like only God can, I walk out on the table the guy's never sat at in the three years we went to school together. He's sitting at, you know, by himself. I'm like, all right, God, well. Ended up leading him to the Lord, and it was, it, was, it was an amazing story. Make it hard on God. God's big enough to handle the weight of whatever circumstance that you're currently in. It's not like, a, I'd like I'm looking for an opportunity to witness to my coworkers. If you can make it happen, God, I'll jump in and say something. Okay, just test him. Just throw it out there. I promise you'll find yourself in these positions where you're like, golly, every time, every time. But the best part about this Because maybe you're thinking what everyone thinks when we have this conversation. Christian, you're a preacher. This is easy for you. This is what you do. Listen, this can be very easy for you because you know me. So let me tell you the deal that we can have. If you will do what only you can do, I will do what maybe only I can do. Which is, if you reach out to your sphere of influence and you go, hey, listen, I don't really know how to tell you what's going on in my life, but just, just come to church with me one time then I will do what only I can do. Come to me on those. I love when people, there's no greater joy I have than when people come up to me and they go, hey, my friends are here, so don't, don't suck today, okay? <laughs> don't screw it up. No tall Mexican jokes today, okay? No skinny jean jokes, no tall Mexican jokes. You can talk about being a Cajun, but not too much. I love it. Because it means you care just as much about them getting close to Jesus as I care about them getting close to Jesus as Jesus cares about them getting close to Jesus. 
And if you will do what only you can do, then I promise when they get here, I will make them laugh, I will make them cry, and we will get them close to Jesus. If you will do what only you can do, I will do what only maybe I can do. God didn't ask us to go through this alone. Maybe, maybe you want to know practically what this looks like. And I want to tell you a story that I have the privilege of being on the other side of and seeing the fruition of this story. I got a text message from a guy. Um, so for those of you who don't know our story, we're a year and a half old. I was at a church called Church of the Highlands in Birmingham, Alabama, which is the second largest church in America. They have about 100,000 people across 22 campuses this morning in church. Came down here to start Valley Rise Church. And I get a text from one of the guys that was on staff with me there. And he said, hey, do you know a guy named Gary? He worked at Foot Locker. Love this. Yep, very well. Because obviously I do love my shoes. He says he rolled with me and some guys to a middle school today. He's probably going to start leading students with us in this part of town. Said the only reason he's at Highlands was because you met him in a footlocker. So I text the guy and just encourage him, hey, man, so proud of you, you know. This is what he sends back. Remember, it's this simple. I'm trying to show you. It's this simple. This isn't a you're really good at it. It's this simple. I went to the same shoe place for a year and a half before I got this guy to come to church with me. They had the worst shoe inventory in all of Birmingham. I didn't go there for the shoes. I went there for him. I went there because he was asking questions. Because there was a moment that I realized God can do something inside of him. So I texted him and said, hey, I'm hearing amazing things, bro. I'm so proud of you. And he said, I'm just glad God used you when he did. I always tell the story of how I used to be your shoe guy and how you came into the store so excited about Christ and wasn't forceful at all. And I remember I told myself, remember this. This is what people are saying around you. Remember this. I want to be free like him. I want that joy that he has. I want to be able to smile and know that everything is taken care of. That's what people are thinking when they see you. I know it doesn't seem like it. This is a three-year story in the making. I know it doesn't seem like it. That's what they're thinking. When you walk in with the love and the joy of Jesus in you and on you, that's what they think when you leave. God, I wish I could be carefree like them. And what they don't know is that you're not carefree. You just have the solution to the problem that we're all searching for. I want to be able to smile and know everything is taken care of. Without you, man, I wouldn't even be at Highlands. I'm forever grateful for, your, for you and will always support you. Thank you for being there for me. You helped save my life. It's that easy. I didn't witness the guy. I have never once had a spiritual conversation with him. Hey, let me tell you about how to get saved, and here's Jesus loves you. And ever once, I was just me, and Jesus inside of you is enough to change the world. There's a reason that Jesus put the plan that he did in motion. It's because he didn't need him to reach everybody. The plan was that we did it together. The plan is that him inside of you would change the world around you. And it's why we always say the local church is the hope of the world. Because this is what changes communities. It's not Sundays that changes communities. It's you going back to your office and going back to the people you work with and going back to your families and going back to the, and going, hey, God, God's just doing something in my life. Man, you seem happier today. Stop taking compliments as compliments and start thinking of them as an opportunity to share Jesus with people. Hey, you seem really happy today. I am, man. God's just been doing some cool stuff in my life. Oh, oh, excuse me, Pope. Like, what? 
Listen, I have the, again, I was in the Air Force for four years doing this. This isn't, I've heard all the reactions, okay? Ones I can't repeat, ones I can repeat. I've heard them all. And my reaction is always to say, man, it's just what he's doing to me. I don't know. Just, I just feel good about it. I, just, I don't know. Just something changing on the inside. Just got some joy. Got some peace in me. I don't know what it is. <laughs> Glad you're happy. Hey, you could be happy too. You could be happy too. How people see Jesus expressed through you will change the world around you more than you could ever imagine. But we got to live the life he called us to live. Because listen to me, the harvest is great. And there has never been a time in history where the harvest was needed to be ripe more, where it was needed to be gathered more, where there was more there is more people that are waiting to hear the gospel. I'm telling you, I travel all the time. I meet more people than you can imagine. People are hurting and they are broken and they're waiting for someone to sit next to them on a plane, at next to them at a restaurant, wait on them on a table, serve them at a car shop and just go, hey, how are you doing today? You good? You okay? Can I pray for you? If we begin to do that, you will see the harvest around you reached more than you could ever imagine. Why? Because it's our field. It's on us. Tomball, that's our field. That's our field. That's our responsibility. When, when, when good things happen, I take credit for it. Why? Because I'm praying. I, show me somebody else who's praying every day that this city thrives. When bad things happen, I take responsibility for it. Why? Because this is our field. And until you understand that God has given you a field and he's put you there for a reason, you will always go through life and, and, and never experience the benefit of what he actually put you in that field to do. And the benefit is he put you in that field to, gr to grow that harvest, to reap that harvest, for you to enjoy that reward. And make no mistake, you will get to heaven one day and you will look behind you and there will be every single person that made a decision for Jesus based off of what they saw in your life. Gary, Gary will be there with some fresh kicks on going, man, I walked in the foot locker one day and met Pastor Christian and the rest was history. I've never, I've never seen a Mexican that tall. It just was thrown. All of those stories will be there because God intended it to be your field, your work, your reward. Hey, tomorrow when you walk into work, that's your field. That's your reward. That's your harvest. Go get it. Go get it. It's waiting on you. There are people in, in your sphere of influence that are waiting on you. They're going to sleep tonight saying, God, this might be, I might give up after this week, God. I might give up after this week. If, if, if I don't get a sign from you, God, this is going to be the week I give up. They're waiting on you. Lives are in the balance. Eternities are at stake. Listen, we can never build a church big enough until hell is empty and heaven is full. We can never build a church big enough. When people go, I'm just not a fan of those big churches. I am. You know why I'm a fan of big churches? Because that means we're robbing hell. That's what that means. That means I'm not going to stop until every person in Tomball is reached. Because for Every single person we reach, the one person who doesn't make that decision and doesn't get to enjoy eternal life with Jesus, that's on me. That's on us. This is our field. And as we see the field around us is what God put it there to be, we'll begin to see life change happen everywhere we go. Would you bow your heads with me?
God, we're so thankful. God, we're thankful that the plan wasn't just you come and do it all. You wanted to use us to fulfill the plan. You wanted to use us to change the world. You wanted to use us to bring hope to people, peace to people, joy to lives. God, forgive us for the times we haven't seen it. Forgive us for the times we've missed it. Forgive us for the times we've gone to work and, and walked past heartbrokenness and despair and frustration. All the while, God, we had the solution. We just Maybe we just were too scared or too uncomfortable or too hurried to stop and give it to them. God, I pray this week for divine, supernatural encounters. I pray that as they go to work, God, let their workers ask, ask the greatest questions ever. God, set them up. We want to make it hard on you and easy on us, God. Set them up to hit home runs. God, we ask that you would continue to draw the harvest. God, we pray for our city. God, that when the time comes that you do return, that we can be proud of the harvest that we brought in. That we can take responsibility for our field. Jesus, we love you and we're so thankful that we get to be a part of the greatest rescue, rescue mission there ever was. Now, you may be here today and you go, Christian, that sounds great, but you talk about having this peace and having this joy and this relationship with Jesus. I, man, I've never had that. Maybe you've encountered religion or you've, in, you've encountered church, but you've never encountered a genuine relationship with Jesus, a relationship that transformed you from the inside out. Today's the day that you can make that decision. With every head bowed and every eye closed, that's you here today and you just go, Christian, that's me. I need that. I need that life-changing relationship. This is just between you and Jesus. I just want to pray for you. Every head bowed, every eye closed. No one's looking around. This is, I just want to pray for you. If that's you and you say, Christian, that's me. I want to start that relationship today, though. Would you just slip your hand up for me? I just want to pray with you. Amen. Amen. You put your hands down. Now we're going to pray, and you can pray this out loud. You can pray it under your breath. You can pray it in your heart. As long as you mean it is what I ask. Dear Lord Jesus, today I realize how badly I need you. Jesus, I'm sick of trying to do it on my own. I need you. Today, Lord Jesus, I believe that you are the Son of God. I believe that you came from heaven to earth to live a perfect life. And I believe you died a death on the cross that I should have died to pay my sin bill so that I wouldn't have to. And then I believe that you rose from the dead to give me freedom and new life. Today, Jesus, I choose you. I choose to follow you, to love you, and to allow your light to transform the world around me. In Jesus' precious name, amen and amen. Hey, would you give a hand to those that just made the greatest decision of their lives? Amen. Hey, last thing I want to tell you um, is, is I want this week, so I've kind of put a little action step to every one of these weeks. This week, I want you to begin to pray for the people that you work with. Maybe you've never done that. Maybe that's a step for you. I want you to pray for the people that you work with. Even, yes, even your boss. I see the look on some of your faces. You're like, Phew. even your boss. 
Pray for the people you work with. And here's the prayer I want you to pray. God, give me an opportunity to push people closer to you. God, give me an opportunity to push people closer to you. And listen to me. It will happen. I know, no doubt, next week, people will come to me with stories. You'll never guess what happened. My coworker just said, you seem a lot happier. Do you love Jesus? Do you go to church anywhere? How can I get that joy? <laughs> Pray that God would push them. Because I'm telling you, you never know what God is doing on the other side of them. We all have a mask on. We all have a game face on. We all look good at work. We've all been that person where you held it together and then you go home and you cry your eyes out. I mean, I haven't been that person, but I'm sure you know what I mean. You guys know what I mean. The, you work with those people. Those people are people that go to school with you. They're in the drop-off line. They're at the restaurant. Pray for opportunities that the mask comes off that you can go, hey, I have the solution for what you're looking for. I believe that as we do that, this month is going to be an amazing month as we see life change. And we're pushing all the way the last Sunday. I'll let y'all in. Y'all hear me messing up my words? That only happens when I'm really tired. Like, <laughs> I, said, I said, my Cajun really came out. I said, ask in the prayer. And I said, ask. I don't know if y'all caught that. That's my, like, real Cajun. Like, ask God if he could do something for you. <laughs> That's my real Cajun. So... Um, at the, the last Sunday in the month, we're going to do kind of a big harvest thing for the kids and have candy and all kinds of stuff. It's going to be a great Sunday to invite the lost people that you work with, that you know, that are in your neighborhood. It is going to be an amazing opportunity. We're going to set you up and make it so easy for you to do. Let's start praying and believing that God does something before you even get there. Let's pray and believe that when you walk into work tomorrow, there's a home run opportunity waiting for you. And that you can begin to see God do what he wants to do. Hey, none of this happens without you. We're so thankful for you. If you came prepared to worship with your giving, we've got three ways that you can do that. At Valley Rise Church, we always say the same thing. We will never ask you to give anything. The Bible says every man should decide in his own heart what the Lord would have him give. So at Valley Rise, we say, hey, you ask God, and whatever God tells you to do, that's what we want you to do. You can give an offering envelope. If you also filled out a connection card this morning, you can put that in there. Or if it's your first time, you can take it to the back to get a little gift. You can give online at valleyrisechurch.com. Click the giving link. Or you can text Valley Rise in the amount to 77296. Hey, none of this happens without you guys. We're so thankful that you allow us to be your church, to allow us to continue to reach this community. It doesn't happen without your generosity. And so thank you on behalf of me, our team. Hey, I really want to just honor our team. Can you all give our team a hand? They do so much that you guys would never know. Like when I walked up before the bumper thing, I didn't even know that, that they had done that. And I'm standing here watching and I'm realizing they all work full-time jobs and then they come home and do this stuff and then they show up early and set up. And so they are amazing. If you ever wonder, hey, what, is it, what does it mean to be on the team? Either you can get on the dream team and um, those are all the people that make every Sunday happen. That is, that is they make dream work makes the team work. And so it doesn't happen without you guys. We're so thankful. Um, hey, if you would, Let's pray. What are you, are you, is there something I'm supposed to say? Sign-ups, baby dedications, baby dedications. Hey, if you have a baby, and we have a lot, we've had like seven kids, not me personally, seven kids in like the last like six months, okay? So if you want to get your baby dedicated, you can sign up in the back. We're doing that this month. It's going to be a great month. I'm excited. I don't know if I mentioned y'all. It's my birthday, but it's going to be great. Um, <laughs> let's pray. God, thank you so much for today. Thank you, Jesus, that you are amazing. Thank you that you are the greatest father we could ever imagine. Thank you that you're a father to the fatherless. Thank you that you bind up the brokenhearted. Thank you that, God, on our best day, you love us as much as you do on our worst day. God, today, we come and we give back to you. 
We give back to you because it's all yours in the first place, God. We're so thankful that we get to invest into your kingdom. We don't give to church. We give to you, God. So today, we ask that you would bless what we give, God. We pray that your hand would be with each and every gift and every giver. We pray that you would return to them a hundredfold. God, I ask whatever they're believing for in their life today, that there would be a miraculous breakthrough happen inside of them. God, we pray for influence to be increased. We pray for provision to be increased. We pray for supernatural opportunities that only you could provide, God. Let this be the start of something amazing. Let us reach our cities, our coworkers, our families, and our friends. Bless this week. Let it be the best week ever. In Jesus' precious name, amen and amen. Hey, we'll see you next week, 10 a.m. Thanks for listening to this week's message. We hope you'll stay connected by following us online. You can find us on Facebook and Instagram using at Valley Rise Church. We hope you enjoy today's message and we'll see you soon.